0: strategies these leaders use to turn adversity into victory. Live an extraordinary life based on actions, not words. Now, here's your host, Marcus Aurelius Anderson.
1: Octa non verba is a Latin phrase that means actions, not words. If you want to know what somebody truly believes, don't listen to their words. Instead, observe their actions. I'm Marcus Aurelius Anderson, and my guest today truly embodies that phrase. In this episode of Octa non verba, we hear part two of my interview with Christopher Summer, former national team coach of the U.S. men's gymnastics team. This is the second part of kicking cancer's ass, logic, building gymnastic bodies, and the momentum of excellence. In part one, we talked about building a gymnastic body, how he helps individuals perform at the world-class level, and how to stop waiting for others to confirm your success. In part two, we talk about how language impacts logic, the biggest complaint with CrossFit and athletes, and how to understand what you actually control in your life. Please enjoy.
2: There is a little later. You know, I, I, I firmly believe that right now, probably the most damaging thing in society is social media. I, I think they're spot on when they call it digital crack. You know, you can sit down and find all these fascinating, interesting things, and before you know, it, there's an hour, two hours, or they're texting. My oldest daughter, you know, is a uh, senior in college. And I'm got a nudger. Quit texting people. Go talk to someone. Go be face-to-face. Yes. It's so commotion. Oh, wow, that was really great. So 80% of communication is nonverbal. And you guys aren't even being verbal. You're being textual. I don't even know what percentage that is. As right. You guys aren't learning to be emotionally healthy and interact social. you got to put this stuff down. Or they get addicted to it. Yeah, I'm probably somewhere they're trying to put through Congress. They want a minimum age before kids can do social media. And for those who don't know, Jobs wouldn't let his kids touch it. Exactly. And it was interesting to me. One of the reasons we went the direction I did with my other daughter for class six, and all we do with her is her Latin. Turns out she's a linguist. So we're adding French, German, Spanish, and Italian to it. Not bad for a girl who could write a sentence. Amazing. Right. And then once, once we're proficient on that, I was a Mandarin linguist in the military. Part oh, of what wow. I did at NSA, once we're done with our our romance language work, then we'll go to our non-romance languages and we'll see. You know, and I'm I'm honest with her. You know, sweet. So if we get in this war, these are the next steps in the process. Rather than giving her a false sense of achievement of That's- hey, this is what's going to be. Well, this is what it'll be if you earn it. If we don't earn it, and no, you don't you don't get to do it. You know, I, I understand psychology, so I make sure that every once in a while, you pull out the other books, show sure, her the Arabic books are way show sure, her yes. the Russian books, you know, go over some stuff. Oh, look at this Greek. Well, sure. out what, what I got to do to get there? <laughs> what about these other two textbooks? We got to finish University, And, you know, the hard things. Why, why do Latin grammar? Because it's the structure of language. Why do we have to learn math facts first? What's the phonics of mathematics. You can't build mathematics unless you have the alphabet to do so. And then after mathematics, we go into symbolic logic. Well, you can't do symbolic logic if you don't have any more in it. And there, there's all these things. And then it kind of comes, oh, phew, this is why I was doing that. There it is. Years ago, I had the only junior, this would have been early 90s, very early 90s ninety somewhere ninety one to ninety three. I had the only junior athlete in the country doing a triple back on High Well, wow. I'm a young coach, a little full of myself. Now I'm an old fogey and still full of myself. So you can <laughs> imagine you can imagine I was I was out of control. We've got one in the head of USA gymnastics standing next to me as we're watching. Now, I'm he's doing his triple and I'm waiting for the brownie points. I'm waiting for the pan out back. You know, Chris you're, you're a fellow coach. You're you're the best thing since sliced bread we're going to put in your name on all Olympic warmups, you know, we're leave everything after you. That didn't happen. <laughs> Instead, what he said was, wow, it's a shame you screwed him up. So we're the hardest dismounts in the world. And there's no one else in the country who could touch him. And he said, yeah, but this part of his swing is wrong. And his shoulder is in the wrong position. You've closed the shoulder angle. This kid is so talented. He could have been the first in the world to do a quad, compete the quad. That was there and you blew it because you yeah. didn't do even enough job. There's two kinds of people in the world. There are those who take personal responsibility, and there are those that it's always someone else's fault. I'm the first. And so that hit me hard. And so from then on, everything I did was going to be the best I could possibly do it. And I probably took it a little too far. I was once visiting with Jin Jing, who was fourth at the 96 Olympics and with the loser chef who won worlds when he was 16 and 83. He's got all these Olympic medals and we're talking about training. And I'm like, yeah, I don't do anything until unless it's perfect. And they're like, chill mm-hmm. the hell out sometimes, Chris. You just kind of know once in a while, let some stuff go. You know, and anybody else, anybody else, I would have been. A better coach, you know, I'm better coaching kind you, of sure accomplish more than you. You're full shit. But you you can see behind me my extensive collection of personal Olympic medals. Uh, there are,
3: <laughs>
2: right? So then when Jin Jing and Belozerchev go, oh, give me this. Okay. But I did find that uh, as a national team coach, it's interesting that there are, for most people, levels of success. And then there'll be a level they reach, and it spoils them. And it varies for everyone. But for most people, there's a level at which they get, you know, I cast no shadow. I'm God's gift. Everything is right. And I saw a lot of that as a national team coach with our national staff. Because we've got Dimitri is in the room. The Indian is in the room. All these Russian and Chinese Olympians are in the room. And they're not interested in talking to him. They would get up and they would say things, but everyone's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I would be all in the only one. Walked to the back of the room, sit down. And Jin Jing's talking about how the Chinese do heavy squats. Americans don't want to hear it, so I walk back to Jinjin. Tell me two to three sets. And he's got to talk to me without turning his stand. I got to talk. We'll get in trouble, you because. Know, I'm not I'm not the head of the program. And so, okay, two or three sets. How many reps? Two, two reps. Oops. No one else wants it because they want to minimize hypertrophy, right? Because depending on what you're doing, which also is applicable, to special operations. Mm-hmm. Right? Because the guys who get really, really buff a month later in the field, unless they're a natural mesomorph, it's gone. It's gone. It's it's Reddy Wolf pointed out, the the most important indicator of success in that is the highest degree of relative strength possible coupled with copper joint prep. The biggest engine you can get in your frame, not the most bulk you can carry. And people today, they they get they get way late because of social media, because they look at the genetically gifted. Right. And these guys would have gotten huge by looking at the barbell. Right? They were bigger than us before they even tripped. They could do everything wrong, and they're going to put on muscle. And that's the last person in the world you want advice from for building strength and muscle, and they never struggle. I've always had perfect shoulders, naturally perfect shoulders, which is why it took me so many years to figure out how to properly prepare shoulders, because I had naturally flexible lats. I had naturally flexible pecs, naturally flexible biceps. So my shoulders just went bam. I had perfect handstand as soon as I learned it. Well, I can't teach what I never learned, which a lot of times is why great athletes are a terrible coaches. Sherba, who won six gold medals in '92, good friend of mine, took Vitale 10 years to learn how to be a good coach. Ten years. I mean, he, he moved into my part of the country, and I was like, oh, damn it my days are dominating I'm about to get my ass kicked the first year my guy's crushed him, and he's pissed and there's there's no piss quite like a Russian piss very <laughs> entertaining really great I love it. so that, that made me really happy and then uh, the second year he's been bustling the ass second and he's gonna get him well, I beat him again who is this little nobody white guy who's never been on national team what and he's kicking my ass I don't understand and then the third year Cause it takes Russians a while to warm up to very, very me some initial like, God damn it, Chris. And then we, we were good buddies after that. But it was interesting in that in the States, our approach didn't fit. We were too methodical. We were too practical. We were not pucking and chucking. Right. We weren't doing favoritism. I wasn't doing the politics. I, I didn't become popular as a national team coach. Until I could spawn I was wealthy and could sponsor the competitions. Yep. Then suddenly I was everybody's best friend. I'm getting invited to go to world championships for international mass. Hey, come talk to us. We got this, we got that. Never had that as a coach. Never had that a coach. But it was interesting was that the people, the only people who approached like that were the Russians and the Chinese. And them I could have training conversations with. And interesting today, if I'm studying but I've spent a good number of years studying Olympic lifting. We've got it kind of broken down, you know, what's, what's the low hanging fruit, you know, what is too what is to specialized and probably for most athletes, not worth your time. And then what are the things in getting, you know, 80% in half the time is a better result than 10 years of prep for 90%. This doesn't, doesn't make sense. And so the American approach, you know, I'd send my staff, you know, go get certified. They'd come home. He's all right. Tell me, what's their developmental process? Coach, there isn't one. Okay. I don't want you talking to the other guys at the class. I want you talk to the head of U.S. weightlifting. What's the process? Coach, I swear, I'm gonna, there isn't one. How uh, they develop mobility? Coach, they, they really don't. So there, there is no process. But there is a process the way the Russians approach it. There is a process the way the Chinese approach it. And in my mind, that ticks all the boxes. Okay, I can I can take these pieces and put them together and have some synergy. But these other guys, they're just throwing stuff. You know, one guy he and he was second at nationals. He changed his lifting shoes and he blew his knee because of it. How brittle and unathletic is your body that that little bit of a change breaks you? And to me, that that's just unacceptable. You know, I need to one. I disagree that high-level athletics has to mean poor health. I disagree. my athletes, they, all the national team athletes, you'd be going around a circle. And, you know, and they're they're talking, what's wrong with you? Oh, my wrist hurts, my shoulder hurts, my knee hurts, my back hurts. They're all going around and they get to my athlete, what hurts. Nothing. Bullshit. Nothing. Because they weren't allowed to train that way. And in fact, Two things guaranteed to make me angry in the gym, okay? Not giving me your best effort. I don't care if you're successful because maybe you're just not ready yet. Maybe it needs time, but I need your best effort, okay? And not your idea of your best effort, my idea of your best effort. And two, hiding an injury from me because I know there's a price to pay for that down the road. Well, Alan was a young athlete one time. His nationals are a week away. He's on Padua's wrist a sore that day. And what people don't understand is most things will go away in two or three days if you leave it the hell alone. Yes. But they don't, they pick at it. They pick at it. They pick at it and they mess with it. Oh, I'm going to make Just leave it alone. And so he's like, Oh, my wrist a little sore today. And he was ready it up and he wasn't trying to get it out of anything, but I shut him down. He said, Coach, next week is Nationals. I said, All right, here's the deal. This, we would try to train my athletes to always be independent of me because there's always going to come a time where they get assigned an in international meet or I get an Olympic team and I'm not there or I'm there and I can't be on the comp floor because I'm not the designated coach. And they've got to be able to handle their own business. He said, Alan. No one cares next week if you hit your pommel routine last week. No one cares. No one cares. Now, if this was the day of the meet, I'm going to tell you, and I'm sorry, dude. It's game time. Yep. You got to take care of your shit. But that's a very highly specialized situation that almost never applies. Right? The rest of the time is we err on the side of caution. Why take the chance? Why take the chance? So it takes another week longer to get to where you want to go. One race. The universe isn't going to go, oh, you won the lottery because you got there faster. <laughs> you know, good for you. No, no one cares. And so the only one going to pay the price for being imprudent is the athlete. That's and enough. I see that in the fitness realm and it drives me crazy. And remember, it's because they have nothing invested in their students. Right. And if a student gets hurt, they don't care. Right. But my students were my product. And it took 12 years to get some of them where they were. And if I break that, I start over. That's it. Because I learned to never hurt someone. You know? Hey, you can always go harder tomorrow. But I can't undo too hard. I can always go harder later, but if I blow it. So I had one forearm injury. I hurt it on a Friday. Not as cranking. I was doing my one arm chins. I was uh, modest by some people's standards. I was doing my chins with more than half body weight hanging. Life was good. And I was doing some iron cross work that I wasn't ready to be doing. But once. And so I heard it on a Friday and it felt better over the weekend. And then because it felt better on Monday, I did the same workout again. This time when it went, it was down for a year and a half. Man. It was 12 months for most of the pain to go away. And it was an additional six months for all the pain to go away. And all that progress lost, lost. Very better, oh and so that's why we're we're just be calm, people.
1: Yeah. Be calm.
2: Detach. Be focused. Uh, Detached is a good way to say it. You know, treat yourself as your own coach. So I'm still coming back from cancer and I'm still doing what I consider little girl weights. And I messed up the other day going in the gym. And I did a review my notes before I redid. And so I came home. I'm in a bad mood. I figured, you know, I missed my reps today. and I'm in a bad mood. My wife, you know, what's going on, you know. I understand it's cancer. I understand I got to be patient. But I got to tell you, sweetie, I'm really tired of being a little girl. This is really pissing me off. This is just annoying me. And then I open my notes. And I look at it. And what I thought was a terrible workout I'd remembered wrong. It was a PR. <laughs> By 10 pounds. Oh, my God. By 10 pounds. And I, I, was, I was upset because I, was, I had been unreasonable. So that's why even me, right? It's not enough to keep our training journal, review the journal before we go in the gym, review the journal, or we use different methods of controlling intensity, Mm-hmm. I do don't, I don't really like percentages. i don't I don't like it. I find it powerlifting specific. right? I find, and it, it kind of makes sense for powerlifting. To my mind, you're walking along the edge of a razor. Okay, if I fall off this way, it's okay. If I fall off this way, it's okay. Or if I straddle that razor, to be a happy camper. And to me, that's what they're doing. is you know, they're they're always they're redlining too often. They're redlining instead of. All right, there's a period of overload, there needs a period of load, and there needs to be a period of underload. And that means you don't get to kick the tires this day. And I, I see people not doing that. So it's super important whether you're using an SSC, whether you're doing a, you know, a daily training match, whatever it's going to be, you know, something where you're not lighting your hair on fire every single day. That was my biggest complaint with where CrossFit ended up going. Because And it, I get it. It didn't start off where it ended up. It, it started off much more level-headed in the early 2000s. But then everyone fell in love with the whiteboard. And everyone fell in love with the competition. And then it was a chance for everyone who had never been an athlete to feel like an athlete. And they used to just annoy me. You know, yeah, we're, we're forging elite fitness. I was like, bullshit. You know how many decades I worked? in order to create elite athletes and be elite? And you guys made a sweat angel and now you're elite? I said, guys, I'm, I'm not trying to insult your effort, but it's not elite, guys. It's not elite. In fact, it might be hurting you. We, we've had conversations with the uh, years. I did one, a podcast with Barbell Shrubbed years ago. And, you know, I pointed out, I said, you know, guys, most people they are going to eventually have to stop working out because they're so hurt. They just, they can't train anymore. They want to. And they're all young and they're, all of them are hurt now, and none of them are training. Said, you know, are they doing power yoga? Are they doing, they're trying to find ways to mitigate the damage that was done. Right. Instead of, you know, if you're feeling pain, that's a very carefully designed evolutionary system to tell you something's wrong. Yeah. And it's not, especially if it's joint related. Because notice, I think everyone would agree, almost all injuries are joint related. It's very rare for something to be a muscle belly. Right. It happens, it happens, but usually it's someone's been juicing. Right, and they rip a quad muscle in half. I've never seen that in a napkin, never in my life. You get some of the big biden, yeah, ripped my quad, or we'll get some yoga people who manage to come in and manage to detach a hamstring. There's nothing wrong with yoga. I like yoga. It's just the, the people, it's the problem is, and we've, it's funny over the years, we're responsible, our work, my work's responsible for reshaping kind of the face of yoga. Cause now you'll see them doing posture, your pelvic work. Mm. You'll see them doing joint prep. Yes. You'll see them doing uh, protracted handstands, proper shoulders, proper alignment, because they couldn't, they were getting left behind and they did do the right thing. Right, you evolve, or you get in back. right. You know, so that's kind of where you know our my my new project I'm on we mentioned briefly mm-hmm. out of that SEAL Team Six request because I've grown also, and so you know which which weighted exercises are the most productive, which ones you damaging? Should you be deadlifting? I don't think so. There's a reason that D1 football programs and NFL programs don't deadlift. The incidence of injury is very high. Yeah. Okay? Do a trap bar. Do a clean. Yep. Do a high pool. Get all, get, in fact, you'll get more athletic benefit than you in the dead. Okay? But, so, to my mind, you yeah, can do it if you like. Okay? And especially, I guess, if you're built for it. Okay? But if you're not built for it, why? Why do a flat bench? Yep. Why put your shoulders... Is this Marcus? Is this internally or externally roca- rotate when I'm laying on a flat bench? This
1: is internally.
2: Inter, feel just if I'm here at this position, how awkward it is
1: mm-hmm.
2: compared to external rotation for an incline press. Absolutely. Why not do incline? Why, why not just avoid? There's a reason that power lifters, when they stop competing, stop doing the wide grip flat bench because sure. they hurt so bad. There's a reason they just have overhead press. Okay. Well, I get it if you want to compete, but if you're not competing and it's not your thing, why do the abuse? Why not do something almost moving the same amount of weight, but much healthier on your frame with no long-term damage? I absolutely
1: agree. And you were talking earlier, we were mentioning, and I love all this talk about training and performance, but you were mentioning that this is the first interview that you've had since you're cancer, and the, you are discussing the mindset, because we've both been through some adversity. And it's very easy for us to go to this place of denial, anger, this victimhood, this poor me. And then some people just live in that place of staying there. But there are people like yourself who already are used to excellence and you demand it more from yourself, even in this like darkness. What is it that makes a person strong enough to get beyond that? And what is it that keeps people there? Is it something that we can learn, that we can acquire? Is it a muscle we can build?
2: Oh, that is a wonderful question. And I, I didn't realize it until uh, visiting with Tim, Tim Ferris, when we were talking about it. Tim was the one who pointed out that I, I'd never gone through. I just tell him, you know, my experience and what I'd done. And he pointed out I, I never went through any of those stages. I never went through the denial. I never did any of the anger. It it never occurred to me. So either either I'm psychopathic, a sociopath, or it was just habitual, right? Because it literally never crossed my mind to do it. It was just, now don't get me wrong, it sucked. Oh, yeah. It sucked. It was not my preference. But I was never, even the first day in the office, he was like, he was trying to do the cheerleader routine with me, the really bad doc who wanted to cut my throat out. He said, you can do it. You can fight. You can survive. Well, maybe. I want, I want to discuss quality of life after your treatment. He well, that doesn't matter. I said, it doesn't I'm, I'm going to put effort in. I want to know what the end result of this effort is going to be. I'm not some little puppy, and I'm just going to wag my tail because you said so. You need to tell me what the well. You'll be alive and you'll be breathing. One of my dad's greatest regrets was listening to doctors about the care for his mom, because the last two years of her life were very poor quality of life. Right. Where he wished, with anything he had that he could have gone back in time and told the doctors, you know what? No thank you. because some things just aren't worth paying the price for. And so, you know, I, I never, I never went through any of that. My my response was. All right, here's what it is. I need to understand this. Because when, when they were first saying, well, we're going to give you a diagnosis, I, I looked. Well, there's 1,500 cases out of 330 million in the country. I'm good. I'm <laughs> just, just going to be tonsillitis. No, I won that lottery. I can't <laughs> complain too much. I used to think, why can't I win the real lottery? I can win that one that I don't. And I can't but when then that that became, of. all right, what what's the situation? Here are the treatments they're offering. There's two choices. I can take their treatment, with the end result of inside of the throat is going to peel and turn into tree bark. Never going to be able to eat and swallow right again. It's going to probably melt the jawbone. It's going to crack all the teeth. It's going to maybe permanently damage my brain. And so me, of all people, unable to think, unable to speak. Why? Why bother? Or I can just know it. It was a good run. It's about forty years shorter than I had planned on. So I was never supposed to see fifty-eight. I'll be sixty in April.
1: Congratulations.
2: I was never supposed to see fifty-eight. So okay. Well, I reject the treatments they're offering. And we were very fortunate. We had we had a lot of heavy hitters go to bat for me. So you know we had appointments for. Uh, Uh, Oh, is it Mount Sinai in New York? Yeah. We had, uh, in for Mayo Clinic. You know, so we had, we had a lot of, I I did get to see the cancer industry from inside and it is a business. And while there are good doctors there who care, bottom line is it's a business. It's a $140 billion industry. And they're heavily invested, heavily invested. And putting you on that treadmill, and making sure you go through these steps. And so, males thought that I was going to get on the treadmill. And so, once you're in the system, you're in the system. Right. But I had the miracle cure. One month I'm dead, I'm going to die. To her this bang, get ready to have massive brain invasion and brain damage. Can't do anything. And then literally a month, month and a half later, I'm fine. But I'm in the system, and I'm getting calls scheduled from the nurses and so crimes. Mr. just over. I know you're really hurting, right? Just want to let you know that we're here. And I'm, I'm fine. How are you today? Be like, Excuse me? This is Christopher honor. Yeah. Right. No, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. You, know, you, you have a good day. So what we ended up doing was uh, I saw all the damage. So what people don't realize is that full strength, I ended up doing a one one-tenth strength chemo. And we'll, we'll go we'll over specifics if people want. But uh, full chemo destroys your immune system. Mm-hmm. And so most people who survive cancer three to five years later end up getting another kind of cancer. Right, because you your their system can't fight it off, and right, and it just goes, 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 goes. And I was like, well, one, they're going to do all this. They're going to do surgery. They'll do radiation. I'm going to be maimed. I mean, crippled. The unbelief, and I'm still going to get cancer again later and die. So basically, I'm going to suffer catastrophically right now, and then have a living death for more years before I finally mm-hmm. die for real. No, thank you. No, uh, I'm. I'm gonna. It was bad. You know, we we went to uh, looked around, and it was my sister who found a German protocol where people from around the world come to get this. Uh, gosh, insulin IPT, maybe insulin insulin treatment. Something. Anyway, it ends up being half mile or a mile from my house.
3: Oh, people wow.
2: travel from around the world to come get this. And what what they knew is because cancer lives on carbs yeah sugar they would drop my blood sugar down into 50s to the low 40s mid 40s when we went lower one time that was a bad scene but uh then they uh you get more glucose coming in at the same time you get your chemo and they could get away with one tenth chemo because it goes right to the tumor tumor just sucked it up but mine there there were people for those who are out there if the cancer is small, it works well. I, I was in treatment one morning and um the guy next to me is just thrilled, right? And I'm in my bad point. And he was like, Yeah, I mean I'm like, it just it died, it's gone. And he's pumped. So he had throat cancer like me So we're talking. I said, How big was your tumor? He's like, Yeah, the, the tip of my little finger. He said, How about you? How big is yours? I go. He got real quiet in the room. You just you could just see you could just say that don't mean you." Base in your skirt, so but it, it slowed it down gradually. So I went from stage two to stage four in that time. Limbs, everything's involved. Getting ready to hit the brain, and then uh not lucky because most docs won't tell you straight. And again, maybe most people don't want to hear straight. But if I answer, if I ask the question, I'm gonna damn on this answer. You no, know, it's gonna suck. Tell me it's gonna suck. Don't don't give me the the mumbo-jumbo of we'll be here in kumbaya. And there's no kumbaya. You're trying to cut my throat out. we well, we'll kumbaya there. There's no way you can dress that up to make it look like a positive outcome. No. There just isn't. Well, don't be here for your children. No, I'm not. I'm not going to be able to move. I can't talk. can't do anything. I'm in agony. All to it becomes a bad memory.
1: Yes. Because
2: it was, the cancer was farther in my family than me. So we spent this time doing education. There's no way out. Okay. And I, I read, maybe the IPT will work. Maybe it won't. It's not been doing it. Clock's ticking. So my concern then is I'd already had the financial stuff dialed in for the family. I used to tease my wife. You know what? It's not a big deal. for you. I'm worth more dead than alive. You know, the women women don't like to hear that. Like that.
1: No, they don't. <laughs>
2: yeah well, I almost I was a few seconds away from dying on a treatment table where one treatment went went bad and uh, it's fast, bad reaction to something. It was fast and uh, just this tremendous crushing pressure on the chest from uh, some kind of intravenous treatment. I'm here because one of the male nurses going by, I guess I just turned this bright scarlet red, which was a symptom of this reaction and who knew what to give him? Wow. And so I guess they said, "You know, one more minute, and you're gone." Well, I thought that was funny as hell. I thought that was great. So we're in our, we got our big panel of docs, and they're doing the review. And you know, I said, "You know, that was a missed opportunity." Because you got to remember, I still got this gigantic tumor, and I'm still going to bite it, and it's a slow, lingering, decaying death. I mean, there's a little dignity to it any it to it and so i was like yeah missed opportunity you know i was 60 seconds away from getting to miss all that crap Mr. i said doggone it <laughs> now i was so close to getting the free out and the dog's like dude seriously what do you think i was like you know you're you're in the medical profession i'm ex-military and a national team coach You're supposed to have a dark sense of humor too. Right, some gallows humor here. Yeah, you're not, you're not, you're not holding up your end of the bargain. (laughs) It didn't care. So it just became. uh, There are things to get done. How can I make my family's life easier for me working? You know, how can life insurance? Everything there's millions there. They're all good. So then, how can I transition the business over to them? So if they choose to, they can keep it going. What new materials can I create for them mm. to have? How can, what what can I do? And obviously, still super hard on, me. I'm sure I was a grump, but I'm a grump at the best of times. So I'm sure cancer didn't, didn't turn me into, you know, Prince Charming. But uh, I don't ever remember feeling angry. I don't ever remember feeling whining, the bitter, but. I also I don't think I can take credit for any of that. I don't I don't I don't think it was this wonderful internal strength and I was aspiring to all this. It never occurred to me. It never occurred to me. It never occurred to me to run off and live up life. You know, I've got these and they told me after, you know, the girls were like, Yeah, I never wanted to go on big vacation or whatever go on a trip. This is me time. It never crossed my mind. It was all about what can I do for my family? Because that, that's what I'm most proud of in the world, right? That's what is most important to me. And the other stuff, is just stuff, Second, secondary. And so that's that was, was on my mind. Maybe it was just all the years of always just being pragmatic. It was just another problem. And being upset wasn't going to do anything. Now, it was kind of like nationals, right? Where Technically, it's another day. It's just another routine. The reality of it, you're doing a routine wearing a concrete vest. Which is just immense pressure crushing on you. And the only way to learn how to handle that is for training to be absolutely as hard as possible. Psychologically as well Maybe more psychologically than physical So Olga Korvet, I was visiting with uh, Chap, My buddy who was Olympic champion, world champion at 16 Dimitri is uh, Very stoic But they kept putting Dimitri and I as roommates At national team camps For years For years We're just your roommates And at first, you know, first couple of years not a lot going on and then uh, one, one year we're there, it's evening, seven or eight. We've, we've had our aim. We've done our two trainings, all our meetings through the day, we've had dinner. We're done. We're in our room. We're shutting down. And Dmitri goes, you know, I can't do his accent right. <clears throat> it's all is mathematics. Math- I'd like to hear more about that symptom. Because the Russians will never tell you specifics, ever. Dmitri's is the only one. They'll give you a little piece without context. Right. And then when you find out later, it's one piece out of seventeen pages on single space pages. <laughs> and they gave me this one, like, oh, here, here you go. So Dimitri starts talking. Writing and writing, writing and writing. My a computer. He keeps talking till like two in the morning. Wow. I finally pass out. <laughs> I think he kept talking. Well, he, he was on a roll. He, he was on a roll. But one of the things we discussed was, why did Olga Corbett have a meltdown at the 72 Olympics? Because in training, she hit 98% of her routines. That's as close to perfect as you can get. Literally. 98%. Yet when she got to the meet, she fell over her ass. The pictures are all famous of her crying while smiling and all this stuff. And what they figured out was, when she was training, training was too pleasant. Training wasn't stressful enough. So the judges waited till she was ready. For those who had never been to a world in Olympics, they don't wait for Jack's ship. They don't care about you. This is a highlight of your life. You're just another new team. They got to score that day. and They don't get a gym. So you're in the warm-up gym in another area. And at this particular point, they weren't allowing one-touch warm-ups on the equipment. It wasn't until Simone Biles complained they finally changed the rule. So you would have to, in fact, Ankle broke his back because of that. They didn't televise that. Well, wow. the early 2000s, he broke his back in vault finals. But because uh, they had to warm up on two separate vaults, two different vaults. You're in the back room in a separate gym where the equipment is the same technically, but everything feels different. Right. Then they walk you down a concrete hallway where you stand and you wait till they're ready. And then they're gonna raise their green flag and you have got thirty seconds to get up and crush it. Or fall over your ass like Olga oh, did. So then what the Russian coach has figured out. So when they have when they have a Russian coach, when there's an athlete coming up and they hate it, there was the personal coach. Was the head coach who worked with the athlete. It's that athlete belongs to that coach. And the Russian coaches fuss at me all the time. Because they would want to start with a group of ten athletes as little guys. And then as they're going up through 18, athletes drop out for various reasons. They drop out and they'll end up with two or three. And then they'll start over again. And they'll do it again. And so a great coach might have three generations, four if he's really got a lot of endurance. Well, my Russian friends would come over, how many boys you work with? I was the only coach they liked in the U.S., which really pissed the other national team coaches <laughs> off. Really pissed them off. They would, I'd say, you know, I've got 50 boys. I said, no, I said, yes. I said, One, we're not state sponsored. Mm-hmm. I said, Two, this is America. I believe everyone deserves a shot. Yep, everyone deserves a shot. Some hit the road running when they're young, but maybe they burn out later. Others are not much to speak of, and then. Hit their prime later on. Some are studs the whole way. Others are worthless the entire time. I've seen the gamut of everything. And I do still believe that. And they just want it. What what the Russians and everyone else can't understand is why American athletes enjoy their sport. Because they don't. Right. And do not enjoy it. And they don't really like their teammates. It's business. Listen, if I do well, if I, get, I get paid. If I do really well, we get an apartment. If I do great, they give me my other shitty cars, okay, that we would never accept in a million years. Okay, but everything is predicated upon performance and results. In the 90s, I was just like that also. It was all results, all results, all results. One day I realized, this just bothers me. This feels wrong. Wrong that if I have 10 athletes in a bird giving me their best, one is the winner and nine are losers. Even if they did their best. And it really bothered me. It just really bothered me. And I'm super competitive. I'm super competitive. So I changed everything what I do in the gym. Everything became about best effort. What that athlete was capable of. I didn't care the score. I didn't care the score. they go out place and play some last. If it was their best effort and they stuck their landing as a hit routine. And so we put this stuff together six events, six possible hits. The guys would, boys love structure. Mm-hmm. Boys love to compete with each other. And they're big on seniority, right? Because we're, we're a tribal animal. Right. The tribal animal, We're social standing. And so, whoever, whatever level, had six hits got to beat line up in the front of the line because I always line everybody up. So, the guy who did the best in the meet was in the front. We work our way down. And then I'd have a national team athlete in the middle of the line and some little eight year old leading the front. You know, and the, technically, well, this guy's doing way harder skills. He shouldn't be in the front. So yeah, but he didn't give me the same level of what he's capable of as his athlete in the firm. And I would tell young men, boys, we're not just here to be athletes. I'm training you to be young men. If you're going to be just another athlete, the last thing the world needs is another knuckle-dragger with the medals. I said, excuse me, guys, but no one gives a damn. You're not good for yourself. You're not good for society. You're not good for your- you're, you basically have no value. Your value you bring to the table is what you make of yourself. And you're not you're not a little girl who's cute and everyone loves her right away. You're a young man. You have no value but what you create. So I want to see your best. Within this wall. these walls, I'm going to reward your best effort. Sit so outside the walls they're not going to care later. You go to your boss and you blow a project. And he loses a million dollars. He's not going to give a damn. Then you did your best, and you're going to have to win. I said that's even later, John. Right now, before you could do your best later, you got to learn to do your best now. The strangest thing—I'd already been dominating everywhere I went, putting kids on national team. The year where I quit looking at scores, we won everything. We won like 50 state titles that year. We won everything. Because the boys were no longer worried about things out of their control. Because they can't control if someone's more talented than them. You can't control that. All you can control is what you're doing with a hand of cards you've been dealt. That's the only thing you got control of. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's not.
1: That's the truth. And what do we find? If we have this idea, and we get it backwards in society, especially today, I'm worried about this person's opinion. I'm trying to control what they think. But by doing that, what do I do? I... Just completely abandon what I can actually control. I worry about the weather. I worry about...
2: Cancer was great.
1: Absolutely, right?
2: Cancer, because you know this. You get a lot of hangers on. The the more successful you you get, you get a periphery. Yes. But cancer was kind of the acid test. Because who's there when you're not in the limelight? Who's there when it's dark? Who's there when it's nothing in it for them, at all? Who takes the time? One friend flew in because he knew my time on the earth was short. Run his own visit, hard for him to come. Now it happened to be I was already in recovery and the tumor melted. Met him at the airport. He's like, dude, what? I don't understand. In fact, I ate my first meal with him. Wow. Yeah, because I couldn't open the jaw, the tumor was too big, it was all seized. Well. And so that was that was kind of a emotional meal. And wow, this is this is cool.
1: Amazing. You
2: know? But I think it was that focus on best effort to get come back around where we were, it was that focus on best effort that when cancer struck, it had become I mean, this was in the nineties. We're looking at nineties, two thousand, two thousand ten. We're in at 30 years of habitual. We do our best. Day in, day out. So then when it came a crisis, I can't take credit for it. It was just, I did what I'd been, what I'd always done. And then as, after Tim was like, yeah, that was, was amazing. Man, we had to talk about it for quite a while, actually. Was the first time, I don't know, I learned, Jan, it's just this It's what everybody does. No. No, people do this, people do that, they get upset in this goal. I don't know. It just, it literally never crossed my mind. So athletically, financially, spiritually, if you want, it's a universal core principle is that once, once you've done it in one arena, you can do it in others as long as you don't artificially limit yourself. The thing we have to, we have to encourage people to stop settling for being Educated. Educated is not good enough. And I'll I'll read it through the gamut. We've got subliterate. We've got illiterate. They can read enough to function. We've got educated. But most of the educated have just memorized.
1: Right. They regurgitate something they know for a moment, put it on paper, move on to the next thing. They don't have it. And
2: even maybe in their professional life. Right. Right. I, I can go to law school. Right. And a lot of doctors fall in this category. anywhere okay? I can use the material that greater minds that have come before me have understood and shared. I don't really understand it. It's like, you know, I can't build an iPad, but I can push the button. Okay. So, a lot of people settle for being educated instead of going that next step of being intelligent and intelligent. Now, now we're trying, and I'll, I'll back educated might have a bit of this, but in a very specialized niche, whatever their specialty is. Right. And they're kind of helpless outside of that. Right. That's why you see a lot of financial people will prey on doctors. Yes. Because what they've learned. It's hard to do in their specialty, and they think they're hot shit outside that specialty, and they're not, which makes them easy marks. No. Okay, so some shameless people take advantage. Well, intelligent now is going to start trying to look for patterns, patterns of recognition. How do things relate? Things that on the surface aren't necessarily obviously connected, and. Okay? And then if, if we get up into the genius level, then they're looking for underneath the foundation, how is everything all connected, everything. And so that, this is why, you know, a standard deviation in an IQ is 16 points. So this is why it's real hard sometimes if someone has an IQ, an average IQ of 100, understand what someone has 145 is talking about. They're talking about core principles and they're like, I just don't want to get run over when I cross the street. You know? Yeah. And you're like, no, it it it, work, it works like this. And I, I'm at the low and I'm like 145. So as far as geniuses go, I'm like, I'm the ghetto of geniuses. Because you know, it, it goes so far above me that it, it's ridiculous. So I can't kind of look at them, okay, I know how they feel because I have no idea what the hell you just said. <laughs> I have no clue. But if we can, even if we just take my daughter, for example. She, by proper training, has improved almost two standard deviations now in IQ. Just by proper training. And so, if we can take charge of our own lives in terms of education, professional development, athletic training, family, and that that's what I'm, I'm always interested in. I'm looking forward to having a conversation with you. That's what I do at 10. There's, there's too much hero worship in the world.
3: Absolutely.
2: Maybe call it the sublet, what do they call it? Celebrity or something like that. Yeah. People are worshiping celebrities. I'm not interested in that. I've never been interested in that. What I'm interested in in is, that's awesome how you did that. Now, how do I do? How do I learn to do? That's why I love Stephen Pressfield's story. Yes. Right? 13 years of everyone telling me you are the worst writer in the world. You, yep. we wouldn't fret what you're writing on paper towels. It's so bad. Right. I want to learn what you do. And hey, he starts writing at 10 o'clock. Yep. And he's going to write from those few hours. When it starts quality dropping off, done. Maybe he keeps it. Maybe he doesn't. Or... Something that stuck with me was the singer Bon Jovi. Same thing. Turo, you would think he's a rock, long-haired rock singer. You're not gonna learn anything from this guy. Perfectionist. Mm. Perfectionist. He drove people insane because he might spend six months getting a three-minute song for it. Now, the most important thing, I already had that hard work down. The most important thing I learned from Bon Jovi was to be project oriented because the way their cycle goes. So we'll, we'll compare Bon Jovi to journey. Okay. Steve Perry and journey walks away at the height of their fame, walks away after seven years. Can't do it anymore. There was a non ending is studio tour writing, studio right. tour writing for seven years. On Jovi, then do that. Maybe studio, but writing, studio, tour, one year off. Yes, I don't want to see you. I don't want to talk to you. And that was that was so helpful to me because now my life naturally runs in projects, and the project may run a year, it may run three months, and then when I'm not on a project. There's no guilt of its downtime.
1: That's it. We intellectually sprint with this knowledge that we have this, this waiting for us. So, what happens? Now we don't subconsciously hold back because we know I have six months or a year. I gotta give everything. I have to he- reach this level of excellence because you know on the other side, that you have this. But if we don't, it's not sustainable. The quality drops off, it gets watered down. We start questioning ourselves. We start nope. questioning what we're doing. And now all of a sudden, we can't even tell up from down. And we're in this loop with this anxiety,
2: this
1: fear, this lack of understanding. Deadlines are a good thing. Without a deadline, time means nothing.
2: I I will say, I learned this the hard way. There are very few self-starters in the world. There are very few people who can hold themselves accountable without someone in a position of authority telling them to show up and what to do. Because I always thought when I was first starting our business, it was just a lack of opportunity. Because my mentor, he was like, Chris, I'd done hundreds of people over the years. And you're the only successful one I'd ever trained. So you're the old one. And I was like, but I already had the habits. Right. I just needed the skills That's in order to implement. Because they take things for granted that nah, regular people never see. How to manage money. How you're going to manage your time. What resources are important. A wage slate never this stuff. And I would, I would talk with Rob. I said, sir, you don't understand. You are take this for granted because you grew up with it. It was mother's milk. I've never seen any of this. I had no clue where this stuff existed. I but so when we start hiring staff, I'm just looking for good people. And I'm expecting people keep up with me. And they're trying. They're good people. They're trying. But it's literally frying their brains. It's They're so stressed. They're like, Coach, just tell me what you want me to do. Just tell me what you want me to do. And I'll do it. I'll do it, Coach. I'll do whatever you need me to do. I said, well, yeah, but you're missing the point. If I'm outlining the problem and outlining the solutions, why do I need you? I don't, you're, that's not an executive. An executive is, I have this problem. On Wednesday, bring me three options to consider. Right. Maybe I take them, maybe we don't, but I need you to do the legwork. Can't. A lot of people can't. And so I, I learned that it was, it was my fault because if I'm more capable, it's my job to adjust my speed to where they're reasonably challenged without destroying me. and then to not to promote too fast while still getting the cream an opportunity to rise. Because the cream always rises. Pe- people got to understand this. If they're not where they want to be, maybe they're not cream. And the two things will happen when they hear that. The guy who is cream is going to go, rotten SOB. I will kill myself proving you wrong. I will work my fingers to the bone. I will stone you on cream. He has an attitude because he's cream. The other ones will take it personal get her. He's mean. He's harsh. It's not fair. We're all equal. Under the eyes of the bar. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm sorry, guys. We're not. We're not. I train all my athletes exactly the same. But why do I have one that's an alternate Olympic team and another one who goes to state they did the same exercises, the same drills, the same hours, same moon, same demand. What it, what it is, is it's not nurture or, na- or nature. It's both. I can't nurture what nature didn't give you. I can't. If you're colorblind,
3: I can't make you Picasso. No. Not going
2: to happen. Or maybe you got your slug. Sorry, slow is forever. Can't fix slow. Can't. Can't. Tight I can fix. What if someone's naturally flexible? Almost always they're weak. At a high level of athletics. Right. Not Joe Schmell. But if we're, talk, we're talking world-class performance, they're always going to be weak. That I can make someone who's tight breathing reading the so well, there are just some things that are nature gave it or didn't. Now, what we encourage then is there's a really good book called, I want to say Freak Factor. Um, the premise is basically go with your strengths. Whatever you're naturally gifted at, what you're weak at is never going to match it. Whatever your gift is, run with it. Run with it. it. Now, it's not a blank check to ignore your weaknesses. Yeah, you try. You try to bring them up. You're your best. But whatever your strength is, you're a great athlete. You're a great writer. You're a great speaker. You're an artist. You're great at music. It doesn't matter. Whatever you're best at, this is your winning hand. Okay, go for it. The sad part is sometimes people don't enjoy what they're best at, and that, you know that, that breaks my heart for them. I'm, I'm I'm sorry when I see that, and it happens. It happens. I've seen some musicians that one instructor was uh, graduated the Saint Petersburg. It was Saint Petersburg. It was Leningrad. grad that it was Saint Petersburg, and uh, she had graduated from the Saint Petersburg Conservatory of Music, and was instructing one of my daughters, who. Doesn't, she enjoys it, but she's not passionate about it.
3: Right.
2: And, but she's freaky talented. And we put everything off till the week before a recital, And then turn in a flawless performance. And it would drive her instructor. Insane. She's like, this can't be done. What you've done can't be done. People can't do this. And I was like, sweetie, you're really talented cheating care, because it wasn't her passion so in a perfect world your gift and your passion alone right and okay now you can run with it but what if it doesn't but maybe this is me a little bit of military but you know shut up and do it anyway and you learn to love it and you were too immature when it started Maybe you didn't understand. Right. So I I don't know. I I, I go back and forth. I do know you can't force someone, regardless of how talented, to become a champion. You can't demand excellence. It it is ultimately an individual choice.
1: That's so true. Coach, I could talk to you for hours. I have talked to you. Sorry, buddy. I cannot wait to have an additional conversation with you later on. Where can we learn more about everything that you're doing? Where can we learn some of this work? Where can we, do we follow you on social media? Do we go to gymnasticbodies.com?
2: Great question. Uh, gymnasticbodies.com will be our bodyweight fitness programs. Yes. So uh, I highly really uh, recommend
1: them for everybody.
2: Uh, very interesting that we have Pre-designed programs they can just cookie cutter follow. Yes, there are others where the middle programs allow them to go in and have control over their variables. What exercises do I want? And mm-hmm. it all creates follow along videos for them. What sets and reps do I want? Okay, there's nothing like it anywhere in the world. And then there's also where they can go in and basically get a, you know build your own BIL, like bring your own gear. Yeah, but. Uh, they can use our system. Allows them to use our entire library, all our mobility exercises, and create their own programs. That is body weight focused, along with the mobility. Um, different levels of equipment needed depending on what they choose. They can start with just floor space if they want. If they want to follow me personally, I recommend uh, Instagram is where I'm most active at Christopher Summer One. I kind of share whatever I find interesting there. Yep. So. Once in a while, it'll hurt people's feelings. There'll be some politics. I don't do it too often. If I post some Jordan Peterson, there's always some several headaches. Uh, <laughs> but mo- most of it is going to be prep. It's going to be what I find interesting politically, philosophically, literature, whatever I find interesting. Um, we do have a forthcoming podcast that uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to putting you on the list in there.
1: Can't wait. Yeah, this is going to tr- be
2: fun. I am getting close now to uh, releasing the program that started off as the CLT-6 program. And that is basically a hybrid program of energy system work, weighted work, body weight work. And it's it's about, it's not powerlifting. It's not bodybuilding. It's not just calisthenics. It's about increasing athletic performance. That's all I'm interested in. It's athletic performance. Depending on their phenotype, their genetics, you can tweak some stuff for hypertrophy and that, but it's not designed as a body weight, as a bodybuilding program. That right. is not as intent. It's about increasing performance. So that's something they're interested in. Uh, it looks like I'll eventually have to quit fiddling with it because I'm perfecting <laughs> I perfectionist. Keep, I keep tweaking stuff, but uh, I'll probably do that as a, um, a gateway program. Beautiful. Using uh, Mighty Networks, where it'll have a um, subscription portal. It won't be cheap. It looking right now, it'll probably be uh, quarterly memberships,
1: three fifty.
2: Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're looking for people who are serious and who want to work. It's <laughs> got a nice note from Tim. He likes something crazy. I said, <laughs> but uh, what 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 this one? Some of my first book I did, Villains and Mastic Body which is where you reached out when you saw that old bit. Someone had done a nice meme of it, of the cover. You mm-hmm. do? Which is sitting over there in my first cover. I didn't give them programming. I gave them progressions. Right. And so the unwashed masses were upset that I didn't give them programming. Well, then on our online, our first timeline program, I gave them follow this programming. Well, yep. now they're upset that I gave them programming. Okay. <laughs> Guys, you drive me crazy. So then in our current gymnastic bodies iteration, I even both. So then in this new program, the Gym Fit program, it is a mixture of both. I'm giving them the principles of training that I built the programs with. Multiple levels of entry, recommended levels of strength before jumping in. But they can disregard these if they want because yes. they're adults. And then I also want to encourage them, you know, guys, here are the basics, here are the templates. And there's a lot that I have pre-built for you. The purpose of this is also to have a community. So, hey, you know what, coach? I did this combination and I got this result. Mm. And we want that. So it's going to be kind of their own self. And their goal is for this to be an enclosed community. Yes. Minimize the chatter from the outside. I'm not interested in being Moses coming down from the mountain with the uh, 10 commandments. But you know, guys, here, here, here are principles that I have found hopeful. Feel free to build your own. Here are training cycles I like and that will follow as a general principle. But if you can convince me that your way is also viable, I'm, I'm good with that. I'll, I'll, I'll yep. incorporate that in a heartbeat. And so that's what this is. We want to continue to do best practices. It may not be the right time, but uh, we used to do a really popular, always sold out our seminars. We're mm-hmm. so probably going to restart those again. Brilliant. Uh, I'm old and lazy, so we'll probably make them come out here, Arizona.
1: That's okay. Arizona is a great place to go, everyone.
2: And then uh, I'm rebuilding out my uh, personal gym, so uh, i probably. I've restricted it for the last years with just military, I in military and pro athletes. And you know, I'm kind of looking forward to bringing in a few people at a time for some training. It'll be pricey, you know, the extensive. I won't charge them 20 grand, but it'll have at least, you know, five grand price check. So, oh. you know, I, I want them to be vested in what they're learning so that, uh, and I want to see progress. And so just, just for the people who are considering, be aware that if I'll throw an Olympian out of the gym for not working hard, <laughs> uh, I won't bat an eye yeah. at, at us and the average Joe, but I am all about, uh, best effort. Absolutely. So I did. I did have one last thing. I did have one young man who had lost a hundred pounds and showed up at my, one of my seminars. Wow. And I, I work people hard. People are. Now we're separating presentation and hands-on now. But uh, he still probably had another 100 pounds to lose. I was just so damn impressed with his attitude. That he was so weak, that he had actually mobility was his workout. Mm. And he had the walls come and say, so, you know what? I've, I've got all the time. For someone like that. You know, feel free to with it, reason, you know, I, there's a lot of people I work with around the world, you know, on the short stuff who DM me on Instagram. Have have a bit of mercy, you know, but a lot a lot of times I enjoy that. And yeah. uh, we we picked up some pro athletes. One one pitcher right now we're working with who just wanted to ask a question. You know, we kind of well, it led to some really good things for him. We're probably going to extend his career by quite a bit. But you know, bottom line is, if, if people are coming in with. uh, good attitude mm-hmm. and are, are wanting to do their best and then you know they might oh we're actually right going
1: Coach, Christopher Summer, thank you so much again. Again, I look forward to many more conversations with you in the future. And everybody's gonna start following you on Christopher Summers One Instagram. And they're gonna go
2: Christopher to- Summer One uh, at on Instagram. That's more of the program program. So it's not as freewheeling as my personal.
1: That's all right. It's gonna be fantastic. But- I'll talk to you soon. Thank you again.
2: All right. Thank you, Marcus.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Octa Nonverba. If this message resonates with you, please share it out with others on social media. Hit that subscribe button and leave a review for the show anywhere you listen to podcasts. To learn more, please go to MarcusAureliusAnderson.com and join his Octa Nonverba Inner Circle to get exclusive content, news, and information. Until next time, remember, talk is cheap. Live your life based on actions, not words.